Will you take out your Bibles and open to Romans chapter 12, and uh, also open up to Deuteronomy chapter 26, and Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, so that may be the easier scripture to find. Um, If you open up to the New Testament in Romans, uh, sixth book of the New Testament, right? Romans chapter 12, and then... Deuteronomy chapter 26. We are finishing our series, Let Your Life Speak, and um, talking about God's call in our life. And I, I, I kept having Romans 12 verse 1 in mind uh, throughout this series, and I wanted to, to get to it um, and, and think about that scripture. So here you are, Romans chapter 12, just the first verse. Which says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And by the way, when you hear that word mercy, think of it in the plural, because in in the original language, it's in the plural. In view of God's mercies, because there's many, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, this verse from Romans 12 is not... A new verse to um, to some of you, and uh, but it's the first time for me to read this verse and think about why did Paul use the word sacrifice in this verse, and and I want to think through that this morning. Why did Paul choose the word sacrifice? Because when we read this verse, we kind of get a sense of what Paul is getting at. And, and um, think about how you might express what Paul was saying. You, you might think, okay, Paul was saying that we exist for God, that our lives exist for God, or that we should serve God's purposes with our lives instead of our own purposes, right? That makes sense. God created us, and, and, and probably he just doesn't want us to do whatever it is that we want with our life, but maybe pursue God's things, right? His will, his ways. That makes sense. Paul could have said something like that. Serve God's purposes with your life. Or Paul could have said, um, use your life to glorify God. That seems uh, like Paul might be getting at that in Romans 12 verse 1. Uh, Paul could have selected any of these phrases or several more to communicate his idea of our lives belonging to God and us living for God. But instead, he says, um, offer yourself as a sacrifice to God. And making that phrase by Paul even a little more interesting is the fact that this is the only time in the book of Romans that that word sacrifice appears. So it's not like Paul is building on this theme that he'd been working up throughout the rest of Romans uh, on on being a sacrifice, because this is the first time and only time that the word sacrifice appears in Romans. So why did he choose this word, sacrifice? Well, apparently, Paul sees it as the perfect word to describe how we are to relate to God. And isn't that strange? Because as Christians, uh, we're not too keen on worship sacrifices, right? Um, When we think of Worship sacrifices. If you're a Christian, you probably think, well, that sounds kind of Old Testament, right? 
That sounds pretty irrelevant for today. Worship sacrifices. That's what Paul says. We're a living sacrifice. Other than Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, generally Christians see worship sacrifices as something for Old Testament times. So how can we get something out of this verse today? That's what I want. I want to offer three ideas for us on how to faithfully live out Romans 12, verse 1. And we're just kind of going to walk through the verse. Not a very complicated sermon outline today. Just walk through this verse. First point is this. Offer yourself in view of God's mercies. And I want you to notice uh, that Paul is giving a very priestly activity to us. And he was writing to the Roman Christians. He was giving them a very priestly activity because the priests were the ones that presented the offerings. They were the ones at the, at the altar to, to actually give that sacrifice to God. Um, and priests were to, to keep the, you know, the, the temple or the tabernacle. And if you go way back in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, um, the house of worship, the priests were to help keep that going, to make the tabernacle, the temple, a suitable place of worship for God. In other words, make, help make the temple a place where people encounter God's presence. And Paul is saying to us, you have this priestly activity, offer the sacrifice. Well, that's what a priest does. Now, you may have heard the phrase, uh, priesthood of all believers. Have you heard that phrase before? The priesthood of all believers? Um, it doesn't matter if you've gone to Presbyterian churches or Christian Reformed churches or Baptist churches. I mean, that's just a, a popular phrase. What does it mean? Well, it's often, that phrase, is often used to, um, to teach Christians that God gives you special gifts, um, talents, and for ministry, right? And, and to put those in place, to, put, to practice those gifts of yours, because the ministry of the church, it doesn't belong just to the pastor or the ordained clergy or the priest. But everyone's a priest, right? The, the paid priest. Everyone's a priest. And that's true. But I think uh, when Paul is, is reminding people of their priestly calling, I think he's reminding us something of, of reminding us of something even greater than that, even deeper than that. Um, The priesthood of all believers describes one of our first and fundamental purposes from God. Whoa. Where do we get that in the Bible? If you look at Genesis chapter 2, and if you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2, you will find the story of the Garden of Eden and God creating the Garden of Eden, making the garden. And you'll find the story of God putting the, the first human being, the man that he created, in the garden. And then if you look at uh, chapter uh, uh, verse 15 of chapter 2, here's what you'll read. The Lord God took the man and put him, the man, in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So what did that mean? Well, one thing that means is God uh, did give Adam a gardener role. In other words, um, 
Adam was to find a shovel and a hoe and figure out what to do with it. And make that, make that garden grow. Be a gardener. Um, presumably, God uh, wanted the, the garden to grow because the people in the garden would become more numerous, right? I mean, Adam and Eve, they were to be fruitful and multiply, and their children were to be fruitful and multiply, and that garden was to be filled with many, many people. And in order for it to be a good habitation for many, many people, the boundaries of the garden would have to expand, and that would come through Adam and Eve and their their family getting out the garden supplies and cultivating the garden. But that's just one thing that uh, verse 15 means. So I put that, will you put that verse back up on the screen? Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, yeah. Um, so let's look at the words work and take care of. So those two words, by the way, are very common words in the Old Testament. Uh, the word work is the word avad, and it means work. Or it means sometimes uh, to cultivate, like a gardening use of that word. Or it means to serve. We see it all over the place in the Old Testament. And then the word take care, it also is a common word in the Old Testament. And it means to, um, to keep or to watch or to preserve or to protect. And it's pretty common. Um, however, there's not many verses where those two words appear together in the Old Testament. And when they do appear together in a verse in the Old Testament, they're usually describing what the priests do. Their commands that God gives to the priests. That's really interesting. So God is, what is he doing? He's telling Adam, you are to be a priest. How does that make sense with Adam supposed to be getting a shovel and a, and a hoe and cultivating this garden. Well, the Garden of Eden was supposed to be like a temple, like a place where God dwelled, just like the tabernacle or the temple was a place that God dwelled, and the priests were to make the tabernacle and the temple a place where people encountered God's presence by taking care of the temple and the tabernacle. And what is is God saying to Adam? I want you to take care of this garden so that is a place where people experience my presence. That's what a priest does. So when God says in Genesis 2.15 to Adam, I want you Avad and Shamar in the Garden of Eden. Um, and Shamar, I don't think I told you, that's what that, that word take care is. He was saying to Adam, you are a priest. You need to help people experience the presence of God. So when Paul says, offer yourself as a sacrifice, and that's what priests did, they offered the sacrifices, he's building on the understanding that one of the first and foremost purposes of people, human beings, is to be priests, to help show the presence of God. So what you do day in and day out, You have to remember, I am a priest. God made me a priest. He wants me to show people the presence of God. So how do we do that? That's the first point. How do we do that? On to the second point from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Were you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice? You're not a dead sacrifice. 
thank goodness, you're a living sacrifice. You're able to make an offering to God again and again and again with your life. Now, what could Paul's ancient audience been thinking of when they read this from Paul, that you're a living sacrifice, because they were much, much, much more in tune with this ancient practice of sacrifices in worship. And when we, because when we think of sacrifices in worship, come on, what does your mind go to? Usually kind of these animal sacrifices. Um, we, you might think of the, the, um, the guilt or sin offerings that the Jewish people were supposed to make. They were to, to kill animals um, in order to make atonement for their sins. And well, we, just, we just don't do that today, right? Um, so we think of these animal guilt offerings, but the ancient people that Paul was writing, they would have thought of something else, a different sacrifice that we do find in the Old Testament. And it was a sacrifice to make in worship. But it wasn't an animal sacrifice. It wasn't for atoning for sins or covering guilt. It wasn't that. And I want you to turn to that Deuteronomy chapter 26 passage now. There's a guy named Matt Kamink who is a uh, Christian Reformed Church uh, ordained minister and a professor here in Houston. And he wrote this book called Work is Worship, a really great book. Um, and I want to walk through this passage that Matt Kamink writes about in this book, Work as Worship. So Deuteronomy chapter 26 tells about a different kind of offering. All right, so let's read this together. And imagine this being in a worship setting, a worship service, where this happens. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it, and settled in, and then we're going to put this verse on the screen, by the way. This is verse 2. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of that land the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. The worshipers are supposed to do this. Come in with this basket full of the first fruits of what you produce, and then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. And what place is that? That's the tabernacle, that's the house of worship in the early Old Testament times. Now on to verse 3. And say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God, because that's what the priest does, makes the sacrifice, right? Verse 5. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. And then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression." So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror and with signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place and he gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is all what the Israelites were to say when they made this presentation, this sacrificial offering to the Lord. 
And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Now that's not too difficult of a scene to imagine, right? The Israelites bringing the first that all of all they had produced from their crops as they cultivated the, 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 the land of Canaan, the promised land that God had given them, and brought it to the house of worship. But did you notice that God gave the Israelites something to say as they made their offering? You know, every once in a while in this church, in many churches, there is something that people often say when they, they make their offering, Right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Yeah, so you know this. Let's finish this out. Praise him above, you heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now you know that. has a nice poetic sound to it, right? Well, he gave the Israelites something a little less poetic to say, right? They were to say... My father was a wandering Aramean. <laughs> what? <laughs> and that was referring to, to Jacob, the wandering Aramean. And Jacob, he went down to Egypt. This is what the Israelites were supposed to say. I don't know what tune this would go to. Maybe they sung it. He went down to Egypt and became a slave there. You know, I don't know. And we were subjected to harsh work down in Egypt. But God heard our cries of misery. And he rescued us with his mighty hand out of, out of slavery in Egypt. And now he's put us in this land of abundant produce. And now we bring to you, God, the first fruits of our work. Now, why did God have them say that every time they brought this offering to God? I want you to think about how their work had become massively different. Because up until that point, they were slaves in Egypt, and they were doing work in Egypt, weren't they? Those Israelites, they were doing hard work. They were making bricks out of clay and straw. They were working a full day and then some. But now, their work is different, isn't it? Now they're in the promised land. Now they're no longer slaves. I mean, now they are free to work. They're still working, but the, and their work is probably still pretty difficult. But it's much different. Now they're free to work. They're free to do what they want to with their work. This is a huge moment for the Israelites. Now, if they wanted to, the Israelites could say, ah, it's all mine. <laughs> I get to work seven days a week and just work my tail off and, and become rich. They could have done that, but God says, no, 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 that's not what you're to do. Six days you are to work, one day you are to rest. And no, 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 work is not about you striking it rich, God says. Work is about worship. It's about worship. How is our work about worship? So I'm going to give you four quick thoughts on this how we can apply this, this work that God gives us to do. One, God has put 
you in your place of work. Now, that's maybe paid work, maybe unpaid work. You may be a junior high student, and you know, I'm not getting paid for this work. But God, is, it's a work for you to do. God has given you, put you in a place of work. You could be a CEO of your corporation. You could be a CEO of your household. You could be a CEO of your desk in Texas history class. Uh, You could be teaching a classroom full of kids. You could be teaching your own kids. That could be your work. You could be a doctor. You could be a manager, a repairer, an inventor, a, a server, a driver, a scheduler, an organizer. But God has given you some work to do, and he's put you in a place for that. Paid or unpaid. God has put you where you are to benefit others. And then what happens on the seventh day? On the seventh day, we come together, right? And we worship. We worship online at this point in time, but we gather together, we worship, and we offer the first fruits of our work. And that often is, that may be a financial offering that we give, that first fruits. And the purpose of that is for us to remember this work that I can do that earns me an income, that is from God. God has given me the ability to produce an income. That's, that's our, our way of remembering that. Two, your work is first and foremost God's creative power at work in you. So God wants others to experience his goodness through your work. Look at verse 11. I don't have a slide for this, but uh, Deuteronomy 26, verse 11 after the Israelites in worship brought forth this basket, these baskets of first fruits, what happens? Verse 11, then you and the Levites, the, the priests that are helping out in the tabernacle, and the foreigners that are there among you, they will rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Why are they rejoicing? Because now they are enjoying the fruit of people's labors. They would bring in the first fruits of their crops. And what happens with those first fruits? The foreigners among them, the, the people who are in need, who need a helping hand, they get to eat. It goes out to the people, and the people rejoice because God is providing for all of the people through the fruits of the land and people's work. So your work is first and foremost God's creative power at work in you. It wasn't God that was saying, hey, Israelites, you're in this promised land. Now kick back and relax, and I'm going to make all this stuff grow. It's like, no, you still got to get that show, that shovel and hoe and work the ground. But God was bringing about that creative power in his people. So when God works through you to produce others' benefit. Three, God has given you the gift of your work, and he has given your work the gift of you. He has given you the gift of your work, and he has given your work the gift of you. God gave the Garden of Eden to Adam as a gift. And he gave Adam as a gift to the Garden of Eden for Adam to take care of it and cultivate it and help it to grow. God gave the promised land to the Israelites as a gift. And God gave the Israelites as a gift to the promised land to cultivate it and to let the crops grow. So God has given to you your work and the place of your work as a gift. Gives you the ability to produce wealth. 
And he has given you as a gift to your work so that you can exercise your creative power. God will work through you there. See that? Mutual giftings, right? And four. So let's put all those points together. Four. Therefore, because all that's true, continually bring your work before the Lord as worship. Just like the ancient Israelites were to do. Just like Christians did in very early church. Just like we're supposed to do today. Bring your first fruits. It could be bringing to God an attribute of your work. It could be the first fruits. It could be, God, I need, I need your help with work. Something difficult is going on at work, and I need your help. It could be bringing to God someone that you're praying for at work. Paid or unpaid work. Someone that you're working with or someone that will be benefiting from your work. And bringing that person in prayer before God. Maybe there's a big presentation that you're giving at work. It's upcoming, and it potentially could be very important to your company. Maybe it's a big project, and you're bringing that before the Lord in prayer. God, I need your help. I need you to be exercising your creative power in me. Maybe you're a teacher, and you're working on a big final exam for that Texas history class, and, oh my gosh, you want it to help your students. Bring that before the Lord. Maybe what you are bringing forward is yourself, the worker. God, I need you to be working through me. This leads us to our third point from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Offer yourself as one holy and pleasing to God. You're supposed to bring all this work before God. What if work has just been a drag? What if you're frustrated at work? What if, truth be told, you haven't really been putting in a lot of effort at work? You're just unmotivated. What about that? And as Christians, we're supposed to come and make this holy and pleasing offering to God? How can we do that? Maybe you just burn out with your work. Maybe you're a student and you're just burn out with your studying. Gosh, God, I'm so sick and tired of the studying. I don't want to do it. How can you bring that as a holy and pleasing offering before the Lord? You remember that there is someone who worked for you. So in the Gospel of John, Jesus, over and over again, he referred to his work. Let me give you two verses about this. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 17, verse 4, I have brought you glory, Jesus is saying to God the Father, on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. See, God set this work before Jesus. Jesus was to make an offering holy and pleasing to God. Where our offerings so often fall short, Jesus does not. He was that perfect sacrifice on the cross. And when you know your offering, it just isn't enough. You're just burnt out. You're deflated. Your attitude's off. You know, hey, maybe I tried really hard. Just the, what, I, what I came at, my, what I produced, Lord, just wasn't all that good. My, my company needed better for me. I just blew it that time. What do you do? 
You rely on the work that Jesus did for you. You bring his perfect sacrifice on the cross to your mind. Because in Hebrews, we're going to look at chapter 10 of Hebrews. We'll finish with these verses here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says this, For by one sacrifice, Jesus has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's how we come to the Lord as a holy and pleasing sacrifice to God. As Jesus has made us holy and pleasing through his sacrifice. A few verses later, chapter uh, 10, verse 21. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with a full assurance that faith brings, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. And then look here at verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on for love and good deeds, and that word deeds is best read, good works. Toward good works. We come to worship, to give thanks to God for the work of Christ, right? And how Christ works for us now, making intercessions for us, praying to God the Father for us. And then to be inspired towards our own good work, our paid and unpaid work that God has given us to do. And then to spur one, other, one another on towards these good works that God has for us. So what we'd like to do now to finish our worship service is to bring our offerings to God and Hopefully, when you came in, you received a little card that says, My Offering, on it. Um, If you didn't receive that card, let us know. And that card, you might have thought, Hmm, I write a financial offering here. Is that what Pastor Grizz getting at? Not necessarily. I want you to think of something that you will commit to God, some part of your work that you want to bring before God as an offering. And just, I'm going to give you a few ideas. We'll put them on the screen here. A few ideas. Uh, You could bring your occupation. Write down your occupation um, on that card. And maybe you want to renew your commitment to doing that work, your, your professional work, as if you're working for the Lord. God, I want to I want to have a new approach to work. I'm going to go to work every day as if I'm working for you. I'm going to go to school every day as if I'm, I'm learning for you. Maybe it's your occupation. Maybe that occupation is I'm a student. Maybe that's what you write on, on your card. Or maybe there's an event or a project that's coming up with your work that's really important. Upcoming meeting, upcoming event, a hard project after Thanksgiving, and you're not sure if your contribution is going to be enough. <laughs> it needs to be good. And you just want to bring that before the Lord to pray that he will be, Jesus will be praying that God's creative power will be working through you as you work on that project. 
Maybe there's a problem or a dilemma at work that you want to bring that before the Lord so that his creative power will be at work in you. Uh, you can put a tithe or a first fruit on your card. Maybe that's a financial offering. And truth be told, you're like, gosh, God, I think I, I, think I need to be more faithful to you with, with my income. I've been treating it like it's all mine, but really it's, it's yours. And I want to I recommit myself or commit myself to, to a tithe or bringing you the first fruits of my, of my offering. Maybe you'll write that on that little line on that card. Or maybe it's a name. Maybe it's someone at your work or maybe someone that's benefiting from your work that you want to bring before the Lord in prayer. Maybe it's a coworker that's going through a really hard time or someone that is in need of, of God's blessings. You're like, God, I, wanna, I work with this person or I work for this person or my work goes to this person and I want to just bring this person to you in prayer. Think about that. Well, here's another name you might think about on that card, and that's your name. Maybe just the word myself. My offering today is myself, Lord. I want to give my life to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. Maybe, maybe you've heard of Jesus dying on the cross, but you haven't really internalized that and made that personal that he died for you on that cross so that you can live with God and have a life with God and you want to give yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Maybe just put myself. That's what I'm going to put on my card. So I want you to think just for a moment and I'm going to pray in a second. You can just think through what you want to write on that card and then we're going to sing a song together. Come to the altar and what we invite you to do is just make this a time between you and the Lord and you're going to make this offering to the Lord. And then when you're ready as we're singing the song just stand up and come up and there's a basket right there on the offering table and uh, just place that little card that you've written. By the way, there's pencils in your seats. If you didn't come in with a pen, just find a pencil on the seat that you're sitting in or next to you. you This is between you and the Lord. Um, And we ask that you use these these side aisles, by the way, for our online audience today. We didn't want to obstruct the camera view. So just use the side aisles and um, and come up whenever you're ready as we're singing the song. Make your offering to the Lord. And as we sing the song, remember what Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us spur one another on towards a good work. And don't you think about singing the song to your neighbor. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. And the sacrifice that Jesus has made, his perfect sacrifice, has made you holy and pleasing to the Lord. And his arms are open wide, ready to receive you, ready to receive that little offering that you're going to give to him today. On the way out, after the worship service, you want to make a financial offering, you can give a a gift and put it in one of those offering, offering boxes if you'd like. But... Let's just turn our attention right now to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you that you can give as an offering to the Lord? Our Heavenly Father, we we recognize that you have put us in this land. And it's a good land. And in many ways, it's flowing with milk and honey. And then, 
Lord, you give us this creative power to, to help cultivate this land that you've put us in, to help cultivate the schools that we are students in, to help cultivate the neighborhoods that we live in, to help cultivate the homes that are our homes, to help cultivate our office places, to be places where your work, your beneficial work of helping others and blessing others through our work is done. And Lord, somehow, it's amazing, you call us priests because you want us to steward your presence, to to help others to experience your goodness. So online, if you're online at home right now, you could be thinking about what to write on that card here in the sanctuary. Think about what you want to offer to the Lord. Father, we pray that as we commit our work to you, that you will use us, that, that the people that we're praying for, that you would bless them, that the work that we are producing, that you would bless it, that the challenging projects, the difficult meetings that we may have these next few coming weeks, that you would be in them and working in them and blessing them. And we don't ask this for our own sake, We do thank you that you do this for our sake because you care for us, but we don't ask it only for our sake, but but for the sake of the many that are living around us so that we could experience all together as citizens in your kingdom, your blessings, your creative power at work in us. Lord, we love you, and we pray for your blessings now as we make this offering to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And will you stand up now and let's sing this song. And whenever you're ready, come up and make your offering to the Lord.